Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, they're going to be passing the offering, but you can go ahead and turn there as well. A couple weeks ago, we started a series called Get Your Mind Right. Get Your Mind Right. And what we've been looking at over the last couple weeks is just really ways that we need to shift our thinking. That um, if we're not intentional, the way that we think the way that we operate can get off of the word of God. And so we talked about how um, we need to get our mind right when it comes to the Bible and God and, and allowing God to be the one that tells us how to think. He's the one that, that shows us how we can get our mind right. Um, we've talked about last week, Pastor Priscilla uh, ministered a great message on Getting our mind right concerning ourselves and knowing who you are in Christ. And, and, and that's so very important. Today we're going to talk about getting our mind right when it comes to other people. Because this is very important to God. I want to start today with a, with a quote from um, one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. It's kind of long, so, so stick with me here. Um, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a whore and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. What is C.S. Lewis saying here? He's saying we undervalue and underestimate the people that we come in contact with. We're going to look at one of the things that Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 25. I want to start reading to you in verse 31. And, and if you've been in church or been a believer for, for an amount of time, you've probably read these verses. But I want to start in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, this, is, this is kind of a side note, but, man, every time I, in my Bible right here next to angels, I just wrote squad. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his squad with him. Like this is, like you, you got to, you got to, don't just read the Bible. Like you, you, you got to think about this. You got to put yourself there. You get like this is, this is a living thing. It, like think about this. This isn't just like, oh, Jesus comes with the angels. No, Jesus and his crew, Jesus and his squad of angels are coming. And when they come, he is going to sit on this glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, let me stop right there, and I'm going to try to keep it moving because this is, we don't have a lot of time in this service, but Jesus is always interested in all the nations. When he comes and he's going to sit on this throne with his squad, with all these angels, he's not just going to gather the white people 
or the black people or the Hispanic people or the Asian people or the Indians or whoever. He's not just going to gather one group of people. He's going to gather all the nations, all the ethnicities, all the different tribes. He's going to gather everybody before him because he's always interested in us gathering together, all nations together. It's, it's why when he tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, He's not going to have a separate meeting for the calm, uh, conservative, unexpressive church, and then a separate meeting for the loud, boisterous, expressive church, and then a third meeting for the group of people that follow him that are somewhere in the middle. He's not having multiple meetings when he comes back. When he comes back with his squad, he's going to sit down on a throne, and all of the nations, all of the people are going to be there before him, the whites, the blacks, the Hispanics, everybody's going to be there, the young, the old, the rich, the poor, everybody gathered together. Jesus sits on this throne, and then here's, here's what he says after they're all, get, all gathered together, and he will separate people one from another. We're not separating. He will be separating people one from another. Wait, wait, I thought God was all about unity. Pastor, I've been here enough to hear you talk about. You can go all the way back to Genesis 11 and the power of unity all the way through John 17 where Jesus says, God, I just pray that my people would be unified like me and you are unified. And him and the Father were so unified that he only did what he saw the Father do and he only said what he heard the Father say. Like this unity throughout the scripture is so important. But here we read that Jesus is gonna gather all the nations together and then the first thing he does after he sits on his throne is he's going to separate people. He's going to separate people, but not the way that we separate ourselves. We separate ourselves based on preference, based on education, based, based on, on tax brackets and, and sides of the tracks and whatever else. That's how we've separated ourselves in this country. But Jesus here, he's going to separate the nations, but he's going to do it very differently than the way that we do it. As he separates people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, we don't have time. We don't have time to really go into a shepherd with the sheep and the goats. But here, Jesus is, se is separating people, but not the way that we would separate people. He's separating sheep and goats, but he's talking about people. He's not talking about people that are like half sheep and half goat. Right? Like, he's talking about people as either sheep or goats. Now, just, just very high level, sheep are the ones that are obedient. Sheep are the ones that follow. Goats are the ones that are rebellious. He, he's got a point here. He's going to separate people as sheep and goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, which is a place of honor, but the goats on the left, which is a place of dishonor. So the people that he's categorizing as sheep, as those that will be obedient, as those that follow, as those that will submit to a shepherd, he's going to put them in a place of honor. And those that are rebellious, he puts on the other side a place of dishonor. And then the king will say to those on his right, which are the sheep, which are the people in the place of honor, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So there is a kingdom prepared not for the goats, 
for the sheep. And then he goes on, and this is where this is where so many times we focus, and rightfully so. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, now this is this is radical, right? This is this is radical. This is overflowing in a wealth of generosity. This is looking for opportunities. This is going out of your way to, to be even inconvenienced. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. Stopping whatever you're doing and taking care of someone and, and, and seeing someone for who they are and who God has created them to be or who God may have them to be in the future and not just saying, I'll pray for you, God bless you, but pick them up and get them right even at your own peril, at your own danger, at your own financial cost. Jesus is saying, these people on the right that I'm categorizing as sheep, they have sacrificed, they have done these things. This is radical. The other thing that, that always jumps out at me when I read this is, um, when you look at this, these people that he's talking about here, people that are hungry, people that are thirsty, people that are strangers, people that are naked, people that are sick, people that are in prison, all six of these groups of people are people that cannot do anything for you if you, if you are good to them, right? Like if you're hungry, you don't got a lot of, you don't got a lot of money, otherwise you wouldn't be hungry, right? Like if you're naked, if you're sick and I bless you, that you're, you're not the guy that's in great position to bless me back. And Jesus is saying part of the separation is not white, black, Hispanic. The part of the separation is sheep and goats. And sheep is people who are, will follow and they're people who will sacrifice and will be generous radically even to the people who can't return the favor. Then it says in verse 37, then the righteous who are the sheep who are on the right side will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And this is so good because this is proof that it's not like they saw these people and they recognized it was Jesus. They saw these people and did not recognize that it was Jesus. Because they're saying, when did we do this? We don't even know when we did this. See, see, sometimes we get real spiritual when we, when we think Jesus is around. Like, like there's some people, not in this church, but in other churches, they're going to go into a church this morning, and they're going to be different than they are when they leave the church because they think Jesus is in the place. Right? And so, so they'll talk different. They, they might act like they're giving, even though there's nothing in the envelope, which that's between them and God, right? Or, or they, might, they, they might act like they're opening their Bible or scroll or doing on their phone when actually they're scrolling on Facebook. Like, like that, that's, they're, they're doing something different because they think Jesus is here, but that's not really how they are. And so they might do something, they might give if they know it's Jesus. But these people are saying, we didn't even recognize that it was you. When did we do this? Like, if we'd have known it was you, surely we would have done that. But we didn't. when did we do this when we didn't even recognize it was you? I just wonder, those people we drive by and they're under the bridge, do we recognize who they, who they are? Those, those people that we walk by on our way to work, when we go eat. The waiters and waitresses that seat us at the tables, do we, do we see them for who they are? Because these, these righteous people on the sheep side, on the right side, on the place of honor, the people that will inherit the kingdom, the people who are blessed, they didn't even recognize who these people are that they were being generous to. 
The king will answer them in verse 40. And truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, now there's a lot on that. I'm, I'm going to keep moving for, for time's sake. Verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, those on his left are the goats. Those are the ones who are rebellious. Those are the ones who won't follow and won't submit to a shepherd. Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? They didn't recognize those opportunities either. They might have been able to remember people in those situations that they weren't generous to, but they didn't recognize them as opportunities to do it unto Jesus. And so they ask the same question that the righteous ask, that the sheep ask. Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And listen to this. These will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, the sheep, the obedient, the generous, those that are willing to sacrifice into eternal life. Man, so we're talking about getting our mind right concerning people. I want to. I want to start. Like, how do you? How, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm trying to judge. This is a genuine question, and if you have a genuine answer, I would. I would love to hear it. Not. Not right now, but <laughs> email me or send me a Facebook message. I, I'd love to know the answer to this. How? How can we be? Lovers of Jesus and say things like, I just don't like people. Like, I love Jesus, I just don't like people. Like, I'm, I'm a Christian, I just don't really like people. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be judgmental, I just, I don't understand. Like, like I don't get it. The New Testament splits people into two categories very often. This is not the only time. It's not just sheep and goats. You, you read in Matthew 13 about wheats and tares. And, and we read about Jews and Gentiles, which then turn into essentially people in the kingdom of darkness and people in the kingdom of light. People who have the Father God and people who have Father as Satan. And, and you have the splitting of people here, not just here, but multiple times in the New Testament. And it repeatedly shows us that in God's eyes, there's only two groups of people. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. Those who follow him and those who don't. All these other distinctions that we have come up with, they're, 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 they're carnal. They're worldly. They're not, they're not from God. They're not, they're not kingdom distinctions. Kingdom distinctions is saved and unsaved. Follower of Jesus and not a follower of Jesus. As a matter of fact, um, Paul said, listen, you're, we're all one in Christ. The walls that divide us have been broken down. Jesus has destroyed those walls and we're all one in Christ. But the Bible also tells us that not everybody's in Christ. And there are these two distinct groups of people, the saved and the unsaved. 
And so every single person that you come in contact with fits in one of those two categories. They don't fit into a category first of being boss or employee or even son or father. They first fit into a category of in the family of God or outside of the family of God. Somebody who's bowed their knee to Jesus and somebody who hasn't yet bowed their knee to Jesus. And we need to get our mind right when we see other people and look at them first that way as opposed to all these other ways that we see other people. Because if you see somebody first as white or black or rich or poor or young or old or influential or unfluential, then you have already messed up your perspective and you got to get your mind right because that is not the way God sees us. God sees us as sons and daughters first. And then anything else that you could ascribe to us is after that. Because here Jesus says there's either sheep or goats. Matthew 13, there's either wheat or tares. Every single person that you see fits into one of those two categories. So the Bible gives us a lot of instruction on how do we treat people that are, um, that are the sheep, that are saved, Now, we don't have time, but I would encourage you, I would strongly encourage you, if you've never done this, to do a Bible study on one another's, every time that you see one another, especially in the New Testament. Um, You can actually Google it, and there's a lot of stuff on there. You could could go the easy route with that. But but go through and look at all the one another's that are mentioned within uh, the New Testament. It is absolutely phenomenal. I want to share just some of them with you. This isn't all of them. Um, But John chapter 13 uh, there's, there's a couple in John chapter 13. Uh, one, Jesus says, wash, wash each other's feet. I wanted to tell you that one first, and I wanted to move past that one really quickly because um, that still, to me, is like really, uh, I'm not a big fan of feet. Um, but <laughs> wash each other's feet. Love each other. Uh, Romans chapter 12, be devoted to each other, honor each other, live in unity with each other. Romans chapter 13, do not owe anyone anything but love. Romans chapter 14, don't judge each other or don't put a stumbling block in in your brother's way. Romans chapter 15, accept each other, instruct each other. Chapter 16, greet each other. Uh, Galatians 5, serve each other. Ephesians 4, be patient with each other. Be kind and compassionate to each other. Forgive each other. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage each other and build each other up. Hebrews 10, 25, meet together with each other. James 4, don't slander each other. James 5, confess your sins to each other uh, and don't complain about each other. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, thank God for each other. The Bible gives us so much about those who we come in contact with that are followers of Jesus and how we should see them, how we should treat them, the way that we should interact with them. But what about those who aren't yet in the kingdom? The Bible also tells us a lot about those. I wanted to share with you just something Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, so there's a lot here in the New Testament. It's written throughout the scripture of how we should treat um, the unbeliever as well. But I wanted to point this out because walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Like as a follower of Jesus, every person that you encounter is either in the kingdom or not yet in the kingdom. (laughs) And so when you meet those people who are not yet in the kingdom, you need to walk in wisdom with them. 
Not in the world's wisdom necessarily, but in God's wisdom. Because if you'll walk in God's wisdom, he'll lead you in how to treat those people and how to speak to those people and what to say and when to say it, when to be quiet, when to speak up. He'll lead you in how to do those things, but he gives you some of the keys right here to be gracious. Sometimes the problem with Christians interacting with people who aren't Christians is simply we're just not nice. We're just not gracious. And they can see it. Which comes back to my question, how can we follow Jesus and not like people? Because he said, we should be known by our love. Like that's how we should be known. If you're a follower of Christ, you should be known by your love. When people think of Evan, they shouldn't think of tall, dark, and handsome. They should think of someone who loves and loves well and passionate. That's not that funny. I don't know why y'all are laughing at that. Oh, y'all just, okay, let me go back because y'all are, y'all are hurting my feelings now. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But we need to be gracious. We need to be known by our love. We need to be ready to give an answer. If you, if you interact when you leave here with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and they start asking you questions about what you believe, not about theology that maybe you haven't studied yet, but like what you believe, are you ready to give that answer? Are you bold enough to give that answer? Are you courageous enough to give that answer? Are you humble enough to give that answer? We're told a lot of other things about how we should interact with people who aren't yet believers. We need to pray for them. Um, Jesus said in Luke 10 to pray that the Lord would, would, would send out, or that the labors, he'd send out labors into his harvest. We're told to bless those who persecute us. That could be Christians or non-Christians, right? We're told to forgive everyone, to do good, to treat people the way that we want to be treated. But Jesus sums all of this up with the great commandment to, to love God with everything that you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. That really what this comes down to in, in how you see others and how you treat others is how you love others. Like to love everybody that you come in contact with. The people that are easy to love and especially the people that are impossible to love. Because if we're truly following Jesus, he is love. And he loves those people that are impossible to love. He loves those people that are on the other side of the tracks, that have different skin tones, that have different bank accounts, that, that live in different cities. Like, where, like he loves people. And if we're following him, we have a responsibility to love people. Listen, I got it. Some of you, it may be easier than others. Like you may be married to somebody who doesn't love people, and you may really love people or vice versa. But that's like, that's no excuse. When you give your life to Christ, like he changes you. He transforms you. And then you have a responsibility to renew your mind with the word, to be in his perfect will. So if, if you don't like people, learn to love people. And how do you learn to love people? Through the word. Because if you will choose to love them through the word, eventually you'll start liking people. It may take you a little longer. That's okay. 
But it is not okay to be a follower of Jesus and to not like people. Or to not like a certain group of people. Mm. You'll probably get more of that in the 1030 if y'all want to stick around and get. But he sums this up with love, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So whether we're coming in contact with people who are in the body of Christ or outside of the body of Christ, our response, the way that we need to see them, the way that we need to act, the way that we need to respond is through love. We need to get our mind right with every person that we come in contact with. And listen, there's some people that have hurt you, like for real. And you're still instructed to forgive and to love. Never treat somebody outside of your house better than the people and how you treat people inside of your house. Because many times the people that we don't love and are gracious and show the love and see them the way that God sees them is not, 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 not all the people outside of our house. Sometimes there's groups or people that, that we struggle with, but many times we struggle with the people inside of our house. And man, I, I, I never want to treat the people outside of my house better than to treat the people inside of my house. Inside of my house, inside of my church, inside of the gatherings and the coverings that God has given me, I never want to get to that place. So if we're getting our mind right about others and how we see others, this actually, because some of you are like, yes, I'm with you, pastor. And others of you are like, man, that sounds good. That's just not me. Like, I just don't like people. I've never liked people. My mama didn't like people. My grandma didn't like people. Nobody in my family likes people. <laughs> like, we just don't like people. Like, I, I, this doesn't really start with liking people. This actually starts with you. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2. You can, you can turn there if you can get there quickly because um, I'm running out of time. Philippians chapter 2. This actually starts not with how you see other people, but this starts with you and how you see yourself. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So here, here, Paul is telling us, listen, the problem is the way that we see, the way that we act, the way that we speak is sometimes out of selfishness or pride. And when we see and speak and act in selfishness and pride, then we are disconnecting ourselves from seeing things the way God sees them. We've allowed our mind to get off track. And we got to get our mind right in humility. Because if you cannot humble yourself, you cannot love people the way God wants you to love them. You can't love him the way that he wants you to love them. If you cannot humble yourself, you actually put yourself in a position to become the goat and not the sheep. 
Because the biggest attribute of the sheep in the reasoning that Jesus often uses sheep and shepherd to talk about us is that sheep obey. Sheep follow. It takes humility to obey and follow. But what we want to do is we don't, we don't want to humble ourselves. We want to lead all the time. Or we don't want anybody to follow. We just want to go. And that's done oftentimes out of selfishness or pride. And so if you don't, love, if you don't like people and, and you see people and you're just like, you know what? I, I could, I will never, like, I just don't like people, and I don't like them, and I'll never forgive them. I'll say I'll forgive them, but in my heart, I know I really won't. And I'll never, and they'll never, and they have, and like, that's it. It's over. And listen, that's not really an issue with them. That's a pride issue. I want you to, I want you to think about this week, the people that really bother you, the people that you really don't like, the people that, that if Jesus would allow you to, you would do harm to. Don't act like you don't have some of those people. I want you to think about those people and why that is. And, and there's going to be a reason. They did this or they said this or they didn't do this or they didn't say that. Okay, okay. Now go deeper than that. Go another level. Why did what they did or didn't do, what they said or didn't say, why did that bother you so much? Why is that so hurtful? And maybe physically it was hurtful or financially it was hurtful. Maybe there's a good reason. Then take it a level deeper. Because when you get, there is a level that if you get deep enough, it's because of pride or selfishness. I'm telling you. You know how marriages break up? Pride and selfishness. It's not money. It's not infidelity. It's not... They grew apart. It's pride. It's selfishness. Listen, I got it. This is not easy. But when you go through and read the rest of Philippians 2, I believe this is the blueprint for humility. Paul goes on to say that we should have the same mind as in Christ. And Christ said to learn of me, follow after me because I am humble. And he goes and he gives us what it means to be humble. That first and foremost, you got to know who you are and you got to be secure in who you are. you got to get your mind right about yourself before you can love others as yourself. And when you do that, you got nothing to prove, and, and you cannot be offended. And now you are free, and you are humble to be the sheep and be obedient to what God says when he says to forgive those who've done you wrong, to bless those who are putting pressure on you and harming you, like to go deeper than just saying praise the Lord, hallelujah, but actually living it in your heart. Goats can't do that. Only sheep can let me end with the rest of this quote from C.S. Lewis that I started with. It says, he goes on in this writing to say, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilizations, these are mere mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, we work with, we marry, we snub, we exploit. Immortal horrors and everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we should be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption.
And not necessarily seriously as in never playing, as he said, but seriously as in this is an eternal moment when I interact with another person. When I interact with another human being, this is, this is an eternal moment. This is not just a moment that we face on Sunday morning. This is an eternal moment. When we read in Matthew 25 about these two sheep and goats, neither one of them recognized what they were doing. They were doing it to Jesus. But Jesus said, when you were doing it to the least of these, you were doing it to me, even though you didn't recognize it. So I just wonder, how much differently would our life be if we just took the chance and said, every person I interact with, this could be as if I'm interacting with Jesus. They don't look like Jesus. They don't talk like Jesus. <laughs> they surely don't act like Jesus. But maybe they might be the least of these. Maybe this might be a situation where at some point in the future, God's going to come to me and say, how'd you treat me on that job that you didn't like? Let me say, God, where, where, where were you there? I didn't like the job because you weren't there. He was like, I'm a, I was sitting right next to you. I was sitting right next to you. How'd you treat me whenever you saw that person in need? But you didn't like him because it reminded you of your dad who was always in need because he kept making bad decisions and abandoned you and abandoned your family. Like, how, how, how'd you treat me? Listen, clearly, sheep or goats, they didn't recognize it was Jesus. So, so don't be so arrogant to think you're always going to be able to recognize when it's Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected, he came back, and the people that knew him the best didn't recognize him. Why do we think we're always going to be able to recognize every Jesus moment? Listen, if I, I went to Top Golf um, Friday with our, our youth leaders, and man, it was a lot of fun, and we got time to pay, and I pull out my card, and like three of them are like, no, 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 Pastor, no, no, no. Which, you know, it's kind of one of those like, yeah, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Praise the Lord, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, okay, I'm, I'm not going to fight you. If you really want to pay, okay. What I know about those youth leaders, they wouldn't have just done that because they were in the presence of their pastor. If God had led them, they would have paid for the bay next to them or the people on the other side of them. Because... <laughs> Listen, if you ever think I'm Jesus, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> but sometimes when we think we recognize these moments or these opportunities, we're quicker to act in the way that we should act. And the challenge for us today is every person that you come in contact with is either a sheep or God wants them to be a sheep. They're either saved or God wants them to be saved. They are either a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister in the faith or God wants them to be. Like, that's it. Every person fits into one of two categories, and God only wants them in one category. We got to get our mind right when we see other people 
and stop putting them in these other categories that God didn't create that are not from the kingdom. We, we got to stop putting people in categories that God doesn't even care about. <laughs> Listen, God made us the way that he made us, tall, short, big, small, dark, light. Like he made us that way. He loves it. He loves diversity. But that's not, that's not the main thing. And the moment that we start seeing people outside of the main thing as either sheep or potential sheep, as either followers of God or potential followers of God, we got to get our mind right. I got it. This isn't fun. This isn't easy. This isn't exciting. But this is gospel. This is Bible. And and if you really want to be and become everything God wants you to be and become, then you got to get this right. You got to get this right. Here's why. You've heard me say it over and over, and I am so out of time. If this were just about you, we would all just get saved and go to heaven. Like, the fact that you got saved and you didn't immediately transport to heaven means this can't be about you. Because no matter how much money you have here, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how amazing your marriage and your kids are, that pales in comparison to heaven. So if it's only about you, when we get saved, God just needs to take us. And the fact that he doesn't tells me that this is not about us. That once we get saved, we have a responsibility to go and make disciples of all people, of all nations. We are here in part to be a light to other people, to bring goats into the sheep. Fold under the shepherd to bring the unsaved to salvation, to bring the people of kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Like we are here to be used by God to affect people. So how can we not like people? There's so much in this. There's so much in the New Testament that even talks about this. Like you say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor. (laughs) How could you love God? God is love. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.